Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there, everybody. All righty. You know, we have a lot of energy going into today's we uh, sure do. podcast. I tell you, there's nothing like a live show to get you pumped up for two hours of podcast recordings. <laughs> really? Please someone kill me. <laughs> so you're rethinking that, huh? Uh, I'm always rethinking. Okay, then. Okay, so, uh, but yes, we were talking about energy. Well, that, that kind of leads into our topic for today. We wanted mm. to talk a little <laughs> bit about wireless power and whether or not it's actually possible. Uh-huh. And it is. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed Thanks this week's episode of, no, we're going to go into a little more detail than that. Uh, now, wireless power, this is not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination. It actually dates back almost as far back as, uh, as, as the transmission of electricity itself. What, like five, ten years ago? More than that. Oh, okay. I'm going a little further back. Right, so you're you're going to talk about our buddy, aren't you? We are. We are going to talk about uh, your friend and mine, Nikola Tesla, who is apparently number nine on the top ten inventors, inventors of list. all time. Yes, he is number nine on top ten inventors of all time. There, I'd like to see those lists. This is an inside joke that no one outside of like five people are going to get, but that's okay. <laughs> so Nikola Tesla, Tesla uh, was uh, the father of the alternating current. Yes. And, uh, in fact, Tesla invented many things. He was a, a, a brilliant, brilliant man who, um, kind of suffered a little bit of a breakdown in his final years, actually died penniless despite mm-hmm. the fact that he invented alternating current. In fact, um, he had a, a famous rivalry with Thomas Edison. Uh, Thomas Edison, of course, the inventor of direct current and, um, and Tesla actually managed to land a, a lucrative deal. Um, in a way, he, he landed the, uh, chance to provide electricity to the World's Fair in Chicago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a big deal. I mean, of course, that, the entire world's, uh, attention was directed on this city. And, um, so Tesla very well, fa- uh, uh, he's famous for, for a lot of things involving electricity for a good reason. But, uh, one of the things he's also famous for, is something that still comes up in debate in scientific circles as to whether or not he was brilliant or crazy. Mm-hmm. And this was the idea of broadcasting electricity. Yeah, that's uh, that seems a little weird, especially in our very, very wired world. I mean, you yeah. know, you think wireless, you're thinking, you know, Bluetooth. Radio waves. Or, uh, you know, Wi-Fi. Yeah. Maybe a little Marconi style, you know. Over the air FM. Yeah, something like that. You Not don't electricity. Yeah, you don't necessarily think electricity. If you're thinking over the air electricity, you're thinking lightning. Right. Uh, but, uh, you may have heard of these devices known as Tesla coils. Oh, yes. Which can put off quite a bit of electricity, some high voltage electricity. And can um, even be used as musical instruments. Yes. Architect does a great act with Tesla coils creating music, but Just don't get in the way. No, unless you're in a Faraday cage, stay Far away from the Tesla coils because they could kill you. Um, so yeah, it's for the well-grounded audience. Oh. The, uh, but but oh. one of the things that Tesla tried to create was uh, he did this project in Colorado. Is uh, Wardenclyffe was the name of the project. It was this enormous Tesla coil tower, and the idea here was that he was going to use the resonance of the Earth to broadcast power 
um, throughout the atmosphere, and this would eliminate need for uh, infrastructure like like cables and wires. Mm-hmm. Um, it never really worked. The part of the problem was that he ran out of money midway through the project. His investors pulled out when they thought that he was being. Well, de- depending on who you ask, some people say they pulled out because they thought he was crazy. Other people say that, that they pulled out because they were worried that it was going to affect um, other uh, financial. Um, uh, endeavors down the line. Mm-hmm. The idea being that there'd be no way to monetize this because Tesla would have found a way to provide energy essentially for free. Right. And that did not make people happy who, you know, depended upon energy, uh, uh, as a means of making money. So depending on who you ask, they either thought he was crazy or they thought he was going to, they were going to bankrupt him. And uh, they pulled out and he was unable to finish his project. Uh, there were reports that he had supposedly been able to um, to light several light bulbs that were 26 miles away from his tower. Mm-hmm. But that's unsubstantiated. At any rate, Tesla kind of comes up with this idea about broadcasting power. It never really comes to fruition. He dies penniless. Mm-hmm. And then uh, no one's really able to necessarily re- replicate Tesla's ideas, he didn't leave very good notes. So it makes it very difficult to try and figure out exactly how he was designing this and whether or not it would work for realsies. Yeah. It's a technical term. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's one of the things that uh, makes him so much fun to, uh, to study is that he is so enigmatic. Yeah. And, you know, hard to duplicate the experiments and just that whole, you know, Tesla mystique. Plus, it's you know electricity. I mean, yeah. seriously. And and he That's did have cool. he did have some very well documented quirks. Uh, he was uh, he did have some signs of obsessive compulsive disorder. He was uh, frequently washing his hands, and he didn't like to touch other people. And um, he also uh, reportedly suffered from hallucinations, very vivid hallucinations uh, throughout his life. And um, so there are other elements to his psyche that that bring into question you know how how sane his ideas were toward mm-hmm. the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, we we now skip ahead and wireless power is a reality. Um, there's – with limitations. Well, it's funny because people um, – this was all the rage at CES a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about this new way of charging up your cell phone or your iPod by you know laying it down on a, on a mat instead right. of plugging it into the wall. And exactly. everybody was talking about how cool this idea was. And it is cool. Absolutely cool, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, because you don't have to mess with uh, your your wiring and, and finding the right adapter. You could just lay it down and it's charged. But uh, you, you know, it's funny because snagging it and knocking the phone off the counter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. or the cat, you know, knocking the cat off the counter. Oh, the cat knocking the phone off the counter. I got it now. So anyway, actually, I suppose you would. I mean, if it's not tethered to anything, then it's going to hit the floor. At least it. But the cord right, is but dangling. Anyway, yeah, you're not going to get caught on the cord. Anyway, w- with the uh, Tesla thing, you yes. know, the whole putting it that put, totally puts it into context. You go, wait a minute, if you could, if he was experimenting with this long ago, you know, maybe this isn't such a new thing. But there are different ways to to transfer power this way. I mean, it is possible to do, especially over short distances. But it sort of depends on what you want to charge and how you're going to do it and how much electricity you actually need to to ferry over from one side to the other. Right. This isn't the same thing as as broadcasting enough no. electricity to power your home. This is talking about very small uh, distances. Actually, usually it's a contact thing. It's wireless, but but two two different elements are normally in contact with one another. Although not always. Not always. No, we'll get to that. But the 
Um, a common example is if you have an electric toothbrush that you would put into a little cradle mm-hmm. and that's what allows it to charge and it doesn't plug in. It's, you know, the cradle is smooth and the bottom of the toothbrush is smooth and you just stand it on the, in the cradle and, and it charges seemingly by magic, but it's not magic. There are no leprechauns involved. It's simply, um, what about elves? No elves. No, electromagnets. Oh. That's the only – no elves, but electromagnets are involved. So it charges through a process called induction. Mm-hmm. And uh, it all depends on electromagnets. We talked about electromagnets not that long ago when we were talking about EMPs. That's true. That's true. Um, basically, an electromagnet is a piece of iron wrapped with many, many, many times with a coil of copper wiring. Right. When that's, you run that's a charge the basic it, form of an electromagnet. Yeah. Uh, when you run a charge to it, it becomes an inductor and creates a magnetic field around there. Right. So if you were to take a nail and you were to wrap a uh, copper wire around it several times and then connect either end of the copper to a battery, you would create a magnetic field and you could pick up iron filings that way. Uh, pretty much anyone in a, in a physics class or, or, uh, you know, even elementary school has done this sort of thing before. Mm-hmm. But it has uh, many, many other applications in the real world, of course. Um, you've probably seen the videos of the junkyard where you've got the giant electromagnet that, you know, picks up a car and moves it from one stack to the, to another or into the, uh, the car crusher or whatever. Um, probably virtually one third of all cop chase scenes in the city end in somebody driving into the thing and getting their car picked up. Yeah. The other, the other two thirds usually a pool. <laughs> Uh, that's true. So, um, but yeah, so, and, and, um, yeah, I'm, you're, I'm kidding, but you know, that, that's a famous scene and that's an electromagnet sure, that people sure. will be familiar with. Also, they're, uh, they're used in, uh, the, the little sections under the, the roadway when you pull up to a stoplight. They detect your car using a similar mechanism. Right. And so you can use electricity to create a magnetic field. Mm-hmm. What you might not know is you can also use a magnetic field to create electricity. That's true. And that's that's the basis of this inductor, this wireless charging um, uh, technology that we're talking about right now. So within the, the cradle, that's the part that plugs into the wall. So you're drawing electricity from your your, your wall. Uh, that is sending electrons through an electromagnet in the cradle. When you put the toothbrush in there, the toothbrush in its base has another – essentially another coil inside of it. The magnetic uh, field will induce electricity within that coil and charge the battery inside the toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Same thing for the cell phones, uh, things of that nature. Where it's using basic, it's based off the same technology, where you're using this magnetic field to induce electricity, and that in turn charges a battery. That seems very simple. It's it's actually a pretty simple concept. It's it's difficult to explain without graphics, so it's a little difficult to talk about it without uh you know looking at something but well it was um, nice of you to hold up the drawing to the microphone so yeah. everybody listening can see it i i hope you all appreciated that it was uh you know i i even uh actually i have a whole 3d model here here look at this oh man and this side over here yeah, yeah oh no, that, made, that totally makes sense to me now. i know doesn't it it's so it's clear great. so uh yeah that's that's the main way we use wireless power right now but there are other ways that people are working on Mm-hmm. That uh, use a similar technology, but it's meant to transmit power in a larger area. Okay. Um, so, for example, some guys at MIT are working on this this coil that has uh, capacitors at the end of. Uh, it's think of it like a, a think of a circle, 
where you have one arc of the circle cut out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not a complete circle. Right. On either end of the that arc, there's um, a little capacitor. Mm-hmm. And then you have the coil wrapped around it. And the idea here is that by creating an, uh, uh, by running electricity through one of these, you create a magnetic field. And if you have another, um, device that, another, uh, arc that resonates at that same frequency, uh, you can broadcast electricity in a greater area. It's because it's depending upon not just the uh, magnetic field, but resonance. Mm-hmm. So if you, uh, if you can get the two objects to resonate, <clears throat> Excuse me. To resonate at the same frequency, um, you can broadcast power. Yeah, um, basically, it's that. That's sort of. Uh, I think if you're, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're talking about radio charging, <clears throat> and that's yes. and that does have to. That does mean that they have to match up, and that um, actually, uh, our, our managing editor Julie sent us an article not too long ago uh, about that very thing. Um, Nokia is working on a technology in. Uh, one of their United Kingdom offices. Um, according to the Guardian, uh, this technology would basically use frequencies 500 megahertz to 10 gigahertz, which is the same basically as uh, area of, of which you'd find um, wireless LAN, Bluetooth, mobile phones, microwave ovens. Um, and uh, it would convert electromagnetic energy into electric electrical energy. Um, right now it can handle about 5 milliwatts. Uh, they're trying to get 20 but 50 would be really powerful enough to recharge a cell phone battery, and then thereby you wouldn't even need to worry about plugging in your phone or finding an induction pad uh, on which to place your phone when you get home. Yeah, so you can – with one of these systems, if you if you were to perfect it, you could have a single um, powered coil – that provides enough of a magnetic field to charge multiple objects all at the same time. So you would, you could have like a room in your house, which was the charging room. And, you know, you just leave your camera and your phone and MP3 player, or whatever in there. And then mm-hmm. they charge just based upon the power being drawn by that one, uh, that one, uh, coil. So it's a pretty cool idea. And it's not the only way that we can do wireless power. There's another way which involves microwaves. Oh. Yeah, you can beam microwaves at a rectifying antenna or a rectenna, if you prefer. <laughs> it's not a joke. It really is a rectenna. I, I'm not treating it as a joke. It's just funny to me how people like to combine words and make new ones. Yes, it's, it's, it's catchy. Yes, it is. You know, it's, yeah, every, every business has to have its own jargon. So, uh, yeah, if you, a rectenna can, can accept incoming microwaves converted into electricity. And, uh, this, could become very useful if we can perfect a way of gathering energy in outer space mm-hmm. to beam down to the Earth. Because when you think about it, a lot of people would imagine the Earth as a closed system. You're getting only so much energy out of the environment. But it's not really a closed system because you've got sunlight coming in all the time. Oh, yeah. But no kidding. beyond that, if you were able to create, say, a satellite that had solar cells on it and could collect uh, sunlight without the the uh, interference of atmosphere mm-hmm. and then beam that energy some way down to the earth, you would suddenly have a very uh, a useful form of, um, uh, you know, unending energy. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some problems with it. I mean, obviously, you have to create a device that can beam a microwave uh, beam at a very specific location. You have to have the antenna there to pick up the beam. 
Some people are worried about the idea of microwaves hitting the earth all the time. There was a, a discussion of possibly putting an entire solar farm on the surface of the moon. Mm-hmm. But of course, the moon is not always facing the same part of the earth all the time. So in order to get the beam to the right set, uh, antenna, I suppose either you could build a series of antennas or you would have to have some sort of reflective satellite uh, network so that the beam hits a satellite and that in turn beams it to another satellite until you have a direct line of sight on the proper antenna and then you could beam the energy down to Earth. So it's not – obviously it's not the most perfect system. <laughs> also, another problem is that if anything were to happen to the solar panels on the moon, you'd have to have some way to fix them. So there's a good chance that you would need either some sort of really advanced robot or more likely some sort of lunar base in order to maintain the solar panel farm. Um, otherwise, you know, something goes wrong and then suddenly your your perfect source of energy is no longer so perfect. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's funny because you talk about things like can we uh, convert electromagnetic uh, spectrum into electrical energy? Well, you know, light from the sun carries quite a bit of electromagnetic energy and we use solar panels to do just that. Yeah, so they're not terribly – You don't um, think about that as being yeah, the same kind power. of thing, but that's – it's kind of the ultimate power. in wireless power because you think about all the plants that use the sun's energy. I mean that's wireless power. But uh, uh, yeah, solar panels are not the, – the biggest problem we have with solar panels right now is that they're not as efficient as we need them to be in order to to really get the most out of them. I think, right. the, I think the efficiency is down in the – like the the teens or the 20s maybe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's pretty low. That means that you're losing 80 percent of the energy that you could be harvesting if the technology were perfect. But it has increased significantly in the past uh, few years because we've done so much more research on it. Yeah, and of course the push toward green technology over the last few years has has you know spurred on even more research and development as companies see a way of possibly making a profit off of this. Yep. Like, I mean, you've got people who are willing to pay to make uh, make their lives more green and uh, environmentally friendly, and once you start. Making sure that the the whole process is uh, economically viable, then usually the research and development quickly follows behind. You know, I wonder not, if not uh, to be cynical, but if, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if uh, the market for uh, copper stolen from streetlights is going to drop if we switch to all inductive and all resonant and all Wireless radio power. power. I'm sure there will always be a market for jewelry that will turn your arm green. I, I, you know, you really are cynical today. I'm just saying, I've, I've got some nice jewelry that turns oh. my skin green. Okay, <laughs> all right. It's not as nice as it could be, I guess. Well, see if I ever give you a penny for your thoughts. So, uh, you'll talk- turn your thoughts green. Talking about the, uh, the, the microwave transmission again, <clears throat> just really quickly. Okay. Uh, one of the neatest, um, potential uses I've seen for this technology is for a, an airplane that would never land. <laughs> That reminds me of a They Might Be Giants song. Well, this would be an unmanned vehicle, obviously. Oh, okay, good, because I was, <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to do, you know. No, an unmanned drone, but there. it would, it would convert, it would have a rectana on the, on the plane itself, mm-hmm. and you would beam microwaves to the plane, and that would give it enough energy for it to, to maintain its flight. And if you were to have enough, you know, devices here to beam microwaves to it, it could fly indefinitely. 
All right. So do you have anything else on wireless power today? No, but I do have something else. You do? Yeah. I have a little listener mail. This listener mail comes from Sergio. Sergio says, folks, you said that Linux is a derivative of Unix. But Linux is a recursive acronym that stands for Linux is not Unix, just like GNU, which stands for GNU is not Unix. Linux may look and feel like Unix, but it is not Unix. It was mostly written from scratch, and the kernel probably shares little if no code with AT&T's Unix. This is all about patents, copyrights, and being free slash open source. Regards, Sergio. Sergio, um, we totally understand where you're coming from, and and we're not arguing that. What what we were trying to get at is that Unix spawned the, or, or we should say Unix inspired Minix, right? Yes. Which was a project that a, a college professor created to create an open source um, uh, operating system that people could fiddle with the code. And then uh, Torvalds saw Minix, and that took from that the inspiration to create uh, Linux. Mm-hmm. So you, while it's not a, a direct derivative of Unix, Unix inspired Minix, which in turn inspired Linux. Um, we were kind of using shorthand in that particular episode, and it possibly in the process made it uh, less accurate than, than it needed to be. At the time, though, we were worried about getting too technical and losing all the people who had never heard of Linux to start with. But uh, thank you for writing in and keeping us honest. Definitely. And a couple of other people made the same sort of point, and uh, uh, we we heard all of you. Um, I just read Sergio's because it was a good representative email. Mm-hmm. So if you guys have any comments you would like to make, any questions or suggestions, criticisms, that sort of thing, you can write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can read all about wireless power at howstuffworks.com along with hundreds of other topics. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?